2: Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi.
3: Welcome to Vegas Never Sleeps, an audio postcard from the fabulous Las Vegas Strip. I'm Stephen Maggi. As we've discussed many times, Las Vegas is a great place to come to kick off your career as an entertainer. Today, you'll meet two folks who did just that, up first, you'll hear from Chrissy Blazer, who was part of the great Vegas franchise group Zoe Bowie, and now has moved on to Nashville, where her career is taking off. Later, you will meet Dixie Dooley, who came to Vegas to kick off his career as a magician and then decided to stay here. Our weekly regulars are here as well. Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com talks about the marketing of Las Vegas. He says the city actually has to change its focus. Brett Maley of Pawn Stars is back with his Vegas Art Minute. Today, Brett explains that the news of the day can affect the price of art. The Wizard of Odds, also known as Michael Shackelford, is back. This week, Michael talks about those long-term sports bets that everyone seems to have great stories about. Finally, on our Good Life segment, sommelier Matt Leo suggests a couple of off-strip steakhouses that you're going to love.
0: This year.
3: Sometimes Vegas is a destination, other times it's a launching pad, and in this particular case, it's great to have our good friend Chrissy Blazier back on. She was in Vegas, part of the whole big thing of Zoe Bowie that's popular around town. Now she's in Nashville with a new album and then a new Christmas song, all great. Uh, how are you enjoying it back there, first of all, Chrissy?
0: I really love it. I mean, it's so different than Vegas and Arizona, where I was living before I went to Vegas. But it's such a cozy town, and there's so much music here at everywhere you turn.
3: It's just a place where if you want to get in, not just country music, but really all types of music, Nashville is one of those incredible cities, much like Motown was back in the 60s
0: absolutely it's a melting pot of every genre of music i mean it's all coming out of nashville now so it's pretty cool and i'm sure a lot of people from la have, you know have moved here over the years too because the population of nashville has grown quite a bit you know lately
3: well wow. yeah. so you've got a lot going on i'm excited about this a new album out called chrissy and the get Goes and uh, we're going to be playing uh, parts of N- note to self which is your new single off that album tell us a little about that how that all came to be because that's a big step to do an album
0: it is, and, you know, I've been writing songs, you know, on and off my whole life, and uh, we came here, and I, I, you know, I moved here um, about a year ago, and I just wasn't sure, you know, what direction things were going to go into, but I'm working with my husband, Bobby Blazier, and then Chris Rodriguez, the three of us. Chris plays guitar for Keith Urban and several other um major artists and so we just started writing and it just clicked and before you know it we had actually two albums worth we thought we should we should let release this stuff now and get it out there oh absolutely well you know the thing about
3: albums too is i miss those you know in this whole new world of music so much as you know a youtube single and that's all fine but there's nothing like an album to get a real feel for the artist i mean it's a way you can share a lot of different moods
0: Absolutely, I know i I love the days of the albums, and you know my, my, back in the day when you could just like look through and read all the lyrics and you know all of the credits and and listen to the whole story of that artist where they had to say at that time it was so it 's really great to release an entire album plus a holiday song
3: yeah, and let 's talk about that holiday song. I loved it. I was telling you before <laughs> we we started this uh, interview. My wife and I have said, what's added to the collection? Because so many people try the, their own Christmas songs and stuff, and it usually falls flat, but yours has that great kind of a peppy jazz feel that kind of brings you back to like the rap pack type, if you like that type of Christmas music. It's just a great fit.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, when I was in Las Vegas, you know, we, Zoe Bowie and I did a, a lot of a big band show with the 22-piece orchestra of all of that kind of music, Steve, and Edie and Sinatra and everything, and so I just loved it so much. And... I've never written a Christmas song before, <laughs> so this was my, my first one, and when, when I wrote it, I just thought, hey, you know, let's just give it a go, and then we put the horns on it and everything, and it's just kind of a big band with a modern lyric.
3: Well, oh, I love it. Yeah, exactly, and it, it's safe for everybody. They don't have to be worried about anything. It. It's just a nice, a real nice feel, you know, and it, it, it gets you excited as uh, we're just starting the Christmas season. How can people get that, first of all, because I think they're going to want to add that for the collection for this year?
0: Oh, thank you. Well, it's, I just got released on iTunes, so it's on iTunes and Spotify and our, iHeart. So all the streaming sites have it now. It's Chrissy in the Get Goes, and it's called Santa Slayin' it.
3: <laughs> Santa Slaying, I love that. Now, how did that pop up? Because, again, this has been tried a lot, and it doesn't always work.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's funny, because my husband, you know, he's been in music here for a long time, and he said, you know, you should really write a uh, Christmas song. I think it'd be great. And I thought, gosh, I've never done that. Hmm. And then the title just came to me. I thought, okay, this is either the dumbest title ever, or it's going to work. You know, it's, and then Santa Slaying. it spelled, you know, S-L-E-I-G-H-I-N. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We just went with it.
3: <laughs> well, it, it, it's great, and it's nice to do that. I, I hate to see that genre of music get lost because there's just a part of it where so much of the great stuff really comes from a long time ago.
0: It sure does, especially the great singers and all the big band arrangements and orchestras. I mean, that's that's the real music.
3: Well, and as far as your regular day music, if you want to call it that, uh, yeah. how would you define it? Because I, I, I see you call it pop, indie pop, country pop. So it, it's kind of just is it kind of like the Zoe Bowie days where it's kind of a, a mix of a lot of different types of genres?
0: It really is. And, you know, I thought, well, being in national, we're just going to do straight up country. Cause I like to write everything as a songwriter, but no, we, I mean, everything started sounding kind of like SoCal, like, you know, uh, kind of no doubt, you know, pop high energy, fun music like the Zoe Bowie days. And I thought, well, okay, I know, I know this style very well. I know the energy that you want to, you know, have the crowd react to, in a live performance, and so that's kind of how these songs are on the, on the album. They're all pop songs, straight up.
3: <laughs> well, also, also you can go to, you have a SoundCloud page, right, where you can get your stuff and so forth. Where's that? Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's Chrissy and the Get-Go's as well.
3: Chrissy in the get goes as well. That's great. And, you know, from those days uh, in Zoe Bowie and so forth, that really kind of helped develop you as an artist, right? Because, I mean, it's just it's so various, and, you, and it's a real popular group, which kind of put you out there as y- you got to deliver, which, which, of course, you did.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, my exposure and experience from that, that was such an education for me, just on stage and, you know, in Las Vegas, which is the entertainment capital. I mean, you know, it, it, the, the audiences, they've seen everything. So, you know, they're tougher. And for us to win over those crowds was a real big accomplishment for me. And the, the show was still doing, you know, phenomenal and winning awards. And when I was there, I mean, we were just, you know, on top of the world. It was great.
3: You'll hear more from singer and songwriter Chrissy Blazier in just a moment. Time now for your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Mm-hmm. Scott talks about Vegas' hunt to attract millennials and why it's a mistake to ignore that 30 and over crowd
4: part of the issue with gambling especially is that the, the audience for gambling uh, is old er and getting old er and dying off i mean that's one of the bigger problems that these big casino companies have is their databases are full of people that are aging out uh, uh, of being their customers so the big scramble is for younger gamblers and nobody has come up with a good solution the idea of putting Video games in a bar is just so deeply stupid. Uh, and skill-based games are just, they cannot find a game that anybody wants to play. And that's a, another big challenge for these big companies. The, the thing that's always been true is that Vegas has been in demand. And I've always thought it's kind of silly that there is there even is a um, convention and visitors authority because what did they have to do? They didn't do anything, they just basically put out ads for stuff that people already wanted to do because they couldn't do it anywhere else. Well, now they can do it in other places, so now Vegas has to learn how to deal with its image and how to market itself, and that's that's huge, and they've never really had to work at it. The talent pool in the, in the marketing world, and I'm in it, is so shallow, and it's because you don't have to market Anything. I uh, my former boss was the CEO of Caesar's Entertainment. His name is Gary Loveman, one of the real kind of trendsetters in the in the business uh, of casinos and uh, d- you know gathering data about customers and all this. And I once asked him, like you know, some of the quality of our resorts is not that fantastic. And he said, "Who would you rather be? Who? What would you rather have to market? An iPad or a BlackBerry?" He said, it's so much more challenging to market a Blackberry, and Vegas has always been marketing an iPad. It's not that hard. Or there's probably some more relevant uh, product, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's just kind of, it's always been on cruise control, and now the town is really being being challenged to transform the opinion. But but to start that process, you have to acknowledge that there's an issue. and." A lot of people are oblivious. They come, they pay the fee, no big deal. But there's a growing number of people who have either stopped coming or who are coming less. And it's a really, really big deal for Las Vegas.
3: Scott will be back again next week. Remember, check out VitalVegas.com every day. When it comes to Vegas, Scott is simply the best source for inside information. In fact, follow Vital Vegas on social media. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Talk Radio Network. Let's go Vegas.
0: Vegas.
1: Let's
2: away. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with
3: Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Chrissy Blazier, who has a new album out, Chrissy and the Get-Goes, featuring the new single, Note to Self.
0: So note to self, don't worry about, don't worry about else.
4: About, note to self. My note to self.
3: Uh, you must be really happy, though, because the whole idea was to eventually go and do some of the music that you wanted to do your own stuff.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So I I felt like I got a great, you know, feel for the live venue and performance and everything like that from Zoe Bowie. But then, like you say, it's so great to go back into the swing of the pendulum to songwriting, you know, the other side of things which I've always loved so much, too. So now I've kind of got both going. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. So when do you hit the road? Because, I, you know, you've got an album out now. I assume at some point you're going to be uh, going around the country.
0: You know, what, we're going to start off in Nashville just playing some local places around town because we really just wrote this to pitch for film, for TV, for other recording artists. And then, boom, here comes the, now the album's out, Chrissy and the get Goes. So, you know, we're going to start in Nashville and then, you know, take it from there.
3: Well, we look forward to see where that goes. You know, another thing you have that I, I found by accident as I was listening to some of this music before the interview, and it's like, you've got some great stuff on YouTube, kind of motivational things. I got, I was fascinated. I ended up spending <laughs> a half hour on it. What decided to make you do that. That's kind of cool. Oh,
0: you're so sweet, Stevie. Thank you. I mean, so I am writing a book. Now, I, I have a song, like you said, on the album. It's called Note to Self. And it's, it's really an empowering song to help people, and inspire them and motivate them to really... Love themselves and in the world of bullying and all these comparisons to just really stay true to who you are and, don't, and not not forget that. So there's a song, you know, on the album called "Note to Self." But um, so the book is, is pretty much the same concept. It's kind of a biography with a note to self kind of throughout it. And I thought, you know, I should start sharing this because I just I never have, and I really feel like it's all about. Giving to other people and helping other people with your story. And so on YouTube, on my channel, Chrissy Glacier, that's what I started doing. I just started, you know, kind of just making videos and just speaking from the heart about my experiences in any way shape and form that I can help somebody else that's what it's all about for
3: me performers need to look at that but anybody if you're in business especially if you're an entrepreneur or that type of thing I can appreciate all that stuff I mean it's stuff we all deal with and you did one of the most difficult things that there is and the, try to get in the entertainment world I mean it, it's like trying to be an an NBA player or, you know or something of that it's just not very easy
0: Yeah, no, the odds are definitely stacked against you. And, you know, and luckily, like I said, I had so much success in Vegas, Zoe Bowie, and then I stepped away from that. So, you know, I'm trying at it again from a different angle. And I just enjoy it so much. And like I said, if I get to connect with other people and help other people along the way, then to me, that is the definition of success, really.
3: And how much guts does it take? You have Zoe Bowie going. It's real popular. It's a sure thing to say, like, well... Is it just a desire that I can't look myself in the, in the mirror if I don't take the shot that I really want to?
0: Absolutely. I think it's about life is about change and reinventing yourself. And so for me, that was, you know, leaving at the, at the peak of everything. It was a gamble, and it's scary, and it's a risk, and, you know, you have that fear. But you, you feel the fear, do it anyway, and, and go for go for more. There's more within me, and I, I felt that as a writer. So, you know, it, it was scary, but I jumped in. <laughs>
3: And the whole idea of songwriting—I'm always fascinated by that because it's something I can't do. It's just amazing that people can take that. You know, is it something you work on every day, or is it one of those things where it pops in? You know, you say your husband's doing the same thing. You guys collaborate. is, is it? What, give us kind of a, a look into the process a bit, if you would?
0: <laughs> well, he's more uh, more into the lyrics, melody, and the heat. More so than production and, and and doing music producing, but for me, I mean, as a songwriter, I've, it's always come pretty easy, I, and I've just always been a random writer. Like I don't sit down every day disciplined like so many writers do. It to me, it's just a rant, like a random, you know, I'm getting inspiration from from something or a lyric or a hook because I always start with the hook of the song, which is like the title, really? and I like you know to be catchy and more you know kind of fun and uplifting. But songwriting to me is just you know it's very spontaneous. It's not something I I do every day. I probably should, but I don't.
3: <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> i got to tell you, to have that as kind of a second nature is something else. <laughs> oh. you know, I mean, in the idea that I could be talking to you someday, maybe I say something weird, and you go, that could be a song. I love that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you got to watch what you say around me because, I mean, anytime I hear some cool little catchy phrase, I say, you know what? Give me just a second. I'll be right back and I'm right on this song. <laughs> yep, that's how it goes.
3: Well, In show business, you're one of those people that seem to really enjoy it. I mean, you like doing it, right? And it, you, you have fun with it and that's always been the way when I've seen you on stage and it sounds that way now as he's listening to your music. You like this.
0: I love it. I, I've loved it since I knew how to walk and talk. I mean, so it's just been, my whole life has been entertainment and music and, and singing and, you know, being performing. So, it's just something that brings me so much joy. And I think to see other people get joy from it, too, it's just like, you know, you're winning the lottery every time you, you, you see that in front of you on stage.
3: Well, yeah, you said you, you kind of grew up with this. Did you have a particular person or something that kind of drove you to this uh, or did you just naturally kind of go towards it?
0: You know, the first person that really drove me towards all of this was uh, Olivia Newton-John. I mean, I heard her sing, and I saw her, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to do that. <laughs> you know, she was just my idol and my everything. She still is. I mean, what a beautiful, you know, talented woman. And so yeah. that was my inspiration. That was She was my idol, and I just said, that's what I'm going to do.
3: You'll hear more from singer and songwriter Chrissy Blazier in just a moment. Time now for Brett Maley's Vegas Art Minute. As you know, Brett is the art appraiser for Pawn Stars and one of the proprietors over at Art Encounter, an incredible art gallery located minutes from the Strip. Today, we talk with Brett about another thing that can affect price. How much do, do things that happen in the news, the current events, affect demand and so forth in art? And I'll give you just a weird example. President Trump talks about the United States buying Greenland. Whether that happened or not doesn't have anything to do with it, but would suddenly t- show to Greenland or was something about that kind of thing? Or even something like from the Louisiana Purchase or some of those things, suddenly that it's out in the news world, does that make it more valuable, at least for that for a period of time?
1: Without a doubt. Uh, there's uh, It was pretty uh – it was a pretty famous story during the last major recession we had, 2008, 2009, that people really moved towards brighter and more vibrant colors. And I saw that in our business as well. People wanted something bold, something that was more festive, something that wasn't depressing, something that lifted their mood that might otherwise be you know, down in the dumps. And you see that with all, all manner of art. Um, I've I found two right now, and it may just be, you know, par for the course with, you know, the, the way uh, the politics are. There's a bit of a movement towards Americana. You know, people are looking at artists like Norman Rockwell, for example, and some of his – you know, vintage illustrations of early Americana, you know, sons and daughters and Boy Scouts and things like that. So you're starting to see more of that. And, yeah, any, any major, uh, you know, thing that happens, uh, be it uh, political or economical, that will uh, have bearing on the market both in terms of the success of the market in general and certain types and genres of art. You can visit Brett
3: at Art Encounter. Just mention you heard about Art Encounter on Vegas Never Sleeps, and they'll send a limo to pick you up from your hotel. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the BizTalk Radio Network. Alan Childs here, and
4: you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi.
2: Listed to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Today's show is brought to
3: you, in part, by the Orleans Hotel and Casino, the best deal in Vegas. Great rooms and dining at an incredible price. Also, wonderful entertainment coming soon in Gilbert Humperdinck and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, one of my favorites. Call for reservations or make them online at orleanscasino.com. You are listening to Chrissy Blazier, who was part of the great Vegas franchise group Zoe Bowie and now has moved on to Nashville, where her career is taking off. Did you have to do any kind of like lessons or did, you know did, yes. did you do all that or you know again I, you one of those people that just pick up a guitar or play the piano and boom it's there?
0: <laughs> oh no, I can't play any instruments which is so crazy for a songwriter because you want to be able to sit down and say, "Oh, let's go here. Do it to this chord or whatever." But um but no for me it's all by ear and but yes, I definitely did take uh voice lessons and you know acting and kind of performance classes, just everything to sort of break me into the like I do this at an early age, at like 12. So, you know, I, I took all that experience and put it into lessons right away. You know,
4: I did all of that.
3: I, I find that really interesting, particularly the part where, again, you don't play any instruments, so you, you have the song in your mind. How do you share that then with your co-writer, you know? <laughs> Is it just kind of like you kind of sing what you think it's going to sound like, and then they can take it and you can kind of mold it as it goes?
0: Yeah, I have a melody and a lyric, and then I just sing that, put it to a click track. And then from there, play it for them, and then they start sculpting the song around it layer by layer, like starting with a guitar or with a piano, like starting with piano. Wow. And that's how we did the, the Santa Slay in it. Um, I would just walk in, you know, my husband put the click track to it, and I sang the melody, and then um, Bo Cooper arranged the song Santa Slay in it. He is David Foster's um, assistant arranger, so, you know, he's an amazing arranger. So he just put the whole thing together and key changes and all the good stuff.
3: Okay, so from start to finish of that, how long did it take to put that song together then?
0: Probably a week. I mean, Bo did all the charts for the horn players and all the arrangement you know, for the charts for the piano and bass and guitar and all that. And then we went in the studio separately and um, tracked drums and tracked horns. And so, you know, we kind of layered the pieces and, and the vocals were separate. So about a week.
3: It's fantastic. People, you got to listen to this song. Santa's slaying it. So first of all, how do we get that, Chrissy?
0: Well, like I said, it just became available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon. Um, so any of the streaming sites have it. So, you know, it's under Chrissy and the Get-Go's. Santa's playing it.
3: And the album the same way?
0: Yep, the album is the same thing. Chrissy and the get Goes, It's 10 songs. Uh, those are more pop, you know, fun, fun songs. Yeah, like Zoe Bowie.
3: <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Chrissy, best yeah. of luck to you. We hope to have you on again when the next album comes out. Uh, best of luck and... Um, Thank you. Merry Christmas.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Happy holidays to you. Thank you for having me on the show.
3: Las Vegas is always associated with magic. It's where all the great magicians are. And we have one of them with us today, Dixie Dooley, who's been around for a while. You can see his fantastic act and his magic shop. We're going to talk about all that over at the Boulevard, which is a really cool shopping center that you might not have heard of before. But you got to get out there. Dixie, you've seen a lot of changes here. right? You came here back in 1978 at the Sahara. How's it been? I mean, do you kind of are you kind of amazed that Magic has become so popular here in just such a powerhouse location?
2: Well, I think it's just a natural thing to happen. When I first uh, performed here in 78 in at the Casmar Theater at the Sahara Hotel and Casino, uh, I was invited to the Magic Club. And back in those days, they used to meet at 12 midnight and uh, Pat's Chinese Kitchen and Commercial Center, which is, no longer exists. <laughs> Commercial Center exists, but not. But anyhow, at 12 midnight was uh, early and it was for nothing mm-hmm. but professional magicians. And you had uh, Jimmy Gri- Grippo at Caesars Palace and Siegfried. Would always be there from the Stardust, and and uh, and they were all professionals. And it's just a natural uh, combination: Las Vegas and magic. And uh, it's grown, and it's grown, and it's become tremendous. And and uh, now you have magic all up and down the strip, where it used to be just a handful of magicians.
3: Right, they're playing the big rooms. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of this new, the new age thing? I, th- I think a pen and teller. I think of Chris Angel and so forth. Uh, are you happy to see magic come to this level?
2: Uh, I am. I remember when I first started in magic. It was very rare that you even saw a magician anywhere. It was kind of like what happened with the Beatles. You know, uh, the Beatles come along, and all of a sudden you saw everybody growing their hair long and and buying a guitar and playing music. Uh, I think a lot of it was because they wanted to uh, uh, pick up girls and and uh... <laughs> and have relationships with uh, the female uh, species, or and uh, if you're a, or vice versa, you know. So. Uh, Uh, I think the same thing kind of happened with uh, with magic.
3: You are listening to Dixie Dooley, who just celebrated Dixie Dooley Day on November 13th, a day proclaimed by Mayor Carolyn Goodman in the city to honor Dixie for his years of entertainment and charitable works. It's been great, and there's some really great acts out here, but you've been here a long time, and I think it's really cool that you have a magic shop. I want to start with that.
2: My thing was, I, I really have always, uh, I, I didn't get into magic just to uh, find uh, the female species like we were talking, or, uh, you know, to start dating girls. I got into it because I really have a love for the art of magic, and inside the magic shop, we do uh, teach, we have DVDs on magic, magic sets, magic kits, uh, everything you 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 can imagine when it comes to magic, magic collectibles and antiques inside the magic books. We have a little bit of everything. And when you do come in, we do make sure if you do buy a magic trick that uh, you understand it and you're taught the magic trick from beginning to end so that uh, you can go out there and perform it that night. Also, I have the performance stage there, where for the last four years, every Saturday and Sunday at two and four o'clock, I give a magic show there. And the magic show has been packed. It's just continues to amaze me how people come out of nowhere, and it's a huge crowd to see the shows there.
3: Give and us an idea. What are we going to see there? What, what, what well, would be you're going to see? Show.
2: Everything from card tricks to uh, dancing handkerchiefs to uh, dancing handkerchief changes into my little girl Gracie, which is my little Jack Russell, and my little girl is just wonderful and she loves her magic trick you know she comes and jumps (laughs) up and down and wants to go to work you know so I'm like okay we'll go you know and then I'm doing something that uh, I'm setting a world record for because every show I'll bring a person up and uh, from the audience and I levitate them and, and it's a complete levitation on stage really? and it's with a person from the audience which is very, very rare. There's yeah, no, you don't know them. There's so no prearrangement. Not a- there's, they're not stooges or anything. Wow. They're not one of the three stooges or right. anything like that. They're they're a, um, they're a perfect stranger that I bring up out of the audience and I uh, levitate them in midair and I, I think I'm the only one in the world that does that and I've been doing it now for four years so we're going for a world. World record there, and I don't think it's a record that anybody will anytime soon break. You know, doing that many levitations over a period of four years. Well, I
3: think that's great, and I think people are particularly impressed when they when they realize that it's not somebody as part of the act. Oh right? yeah,
2: the moms and dads. Or if it's if it's a child, they'll be getting out their cameras and they'll be like, uh, "Oh, we got to take a picture of uh, little Sally up there floating in the air," you know. And then they'll show her the picture afterwards, and she'll go, "I can't believe that was me," you know, up mm-hmm. there floating in the. So it's it's, it's very it's a very cool thing, and it's the only place in the world that you see that, you
3: know? I think it's cool, and it's, it's perfect that it's in Vegas. And like you say, getting back to what you were saying about the boulevard, that's become an attraction now. There's so mm-hmm. many great mm-hmm. things. Like the, the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame is over that's there. That's right. It's yes. great. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, the
2: Boxing Hall of Fame. I went to the uh, VIP opening of that, met uh, Leon Sphinx and uh, some of the other famous boxers and, and all that were there that night, and it was wonderful to get to meet those guys, you know? <laughs>
3: Tell me how you got into magic. I'm always curious about
2: it because how do you get into it? Was it just something that you were attracted to as a child? Well, um, I, I first really... Sp- Realized that I got interested in magic when I was six years old. I'm an only child. I grew up in—I uh, uh, didn't grow up, but I was born in West Virginia, and uh, back there they have fireflies, and and uh, which are magical when you're a little oh, little yeah. a little boy standing out in the backyard, and it starts to get dark, and you see the fireflies light up the sky everywhere.
3: More with Dixie Dooley, who you can see most days at the Boulevard, in just a few moments. Time now for a statistician, actuary, and expert in gaming odds and probabilities, The Wizard of Odds, Michael Shackelford. Ever had a feeling your favorite team was going to win it all? Michael talks about actually putting money on it. When it comes to things like long-term bets, like at the beginning of the season, the big one here, of course, was when the Golden Knights expansion team it was like five hundred to one, and <laughs> there were some people that were scared. Are those generally kind of good bets? Uh, th- again, these odds makers are pretty good at, it, just like they are on
1: the daily things. But uh, do you like those bets? No, I would not recommend futures bets. For example, will the um, yeah the Boston Red Sox win the World Series? Uh, no, they take about thirty five percent juice out of those, so which is a lot and yes everyone can always tell some story about some long shot team you know taking it all but as a general rule I would stay away from futures bets from a mathematical point of view now if you're just a recreational player and you want to throw a hundred bucks on the Orioles to win the World Series and that keeps you entertained for the whole series all right go ahead I'm not going to wag my finger at you but just mathematically it's not a great bet
3: the Wizard will be back again next week. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network.
2: Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Dixie Dooley,
3: who just celebrated Dixie Dewey Day on November 13th, a date proclaimed by Mayor Carolyn Goodman in the city to honor Dixie for his years of entertainment and charitable works.
2: A lot of people say, well, what separates you from other magicians? And one thing that does is because uh, I love entertainment. Uh, you know, uh, magic is my first love, but of course entertainment, all kinds of show business. That's why I have like the Majestic Theater here in town, which features like uh, uh, three variety shows and uh, five magic shows in there. So it's not all just magic, you know? Right. And card tricks and all. It's all kinds of singing, dancing. I played drums for 16 years behind Percy. Ledge, you know, when a man loves a woman. Oh, I mean, what a great, sing- uh, what and, a great uh, song. The, the grass, grassroots. Yeah. Uh, growing up in the Southeast, I, I played drums. So I've always been, I've always loved entertainment.
3: Well, you know, you talk
2: about your magic shop.
3: When people come in, I'm thinking, about. I was thinking that before, it's more than just being able to do a magic trick. You know, you can teach people how to do that, or mm-hmm. some people, I, I think people struggle with it. But it's that really that entertainment thing, because all the great, magicians are also great entertainers. I mean, you think of Penn & Teller and
2: all those. Exactly. The magic shops uh, exemplifies that. It really does because I also own a curiosity shop here in town which sells antiques. And uh, at one point, I wanted to totally get away from... Selling and working, having magic shops. I've owned about five, six magic shops here in Las Vegas over the years, and uh, and they were all just dropped in my lap. You know, would you like a magic shop? <laughs> uh, of course, uh, center of the strip at Harrah's. Oh, great! Yes, uh, I, uh, definitely. I think I want that. You know, so they were just yeah. dropped in my lap. But the the one thing that with the magic shop that you have to have is you have to have a good demonstrator, yeah. someone who can actually perform the magic. And the better the demonstrator is, and the better he performs the magic, the more sales you're going to make because the more impressed the people are going to be with the trick that, that he's doing and they'll want to buy it. They'll want to take it home. Now with antiques and if you're selling t-shirts or you're telling, yeah. selling posters you don't have to worry about that. They come in they like the poster, they buy it. You know, But you got to sell the magic in a magic shop. That's one of the it, it can be a plus or a downfall. It's according to if you have a good salesperson.
3: Yeah. So when, when you're bringing on new employees and so forth, I imagine it's a pretty rigorous test because one poor uh, say or demonstrator, as you say, and the whole thing's lost.
2: Yeah, or or they just come in, and if you have someone who can't demonstrate the magic, it, they they just say, "Well, here's the magic," and they look at it, and it's just all these things sitting right in a box or something, and they don't know what it is. Right. And, and you can you can tell them what it does, like, okay, you see, you, you crinkle up this dollar bill and it floats in the air, you know, and you can say all these wonderful things about it, but to see it. In person to see them crinkle up the dollar bill yeah. and it begin to levitate right in front of them like that, and they don't know how it's working. Uh, that that's a whole different that's a whole different thing, and that's what sells it, you know.
3: So let's say I'm bringing somebody by and I want to get a magic trick. Now, if it's somebody that's just starting out, that just likes the concept, never did it, what would you suggest to start them out with if you were going to sell them something?
2: Well, we have some of the basic uh, uh, starter things, like the Sphingelly deck of cards is a great um, uh, trick deck of cards, and you can do thousands of magic tricks with it. And it, it, when people see it, they're just totally amazed, even though it's been around for Ever you know the 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 thing uh, we've got things like sponge balls that uh, you know the the different the little red balls that appear they can be different colors too but and then we got a thing called mind control which is very good where you actually uh, control someone's mind to pick a diff- we got all these uh, things that uh, we start them out with something really simple that mm-hmm. they can learn quickly so that uh, one of the worst things that can happen to you if you're starting out in magic is to either buy a bad magic trick that is difficult to do and and even if you do it people aren't that impressed with it or you buy a uh, a magic trick that is not um well made you know mm, it, yeah it, you know it sense. breaks or it, it doesn't work perfectly and uh those are those are two terrible things that can happen to you if you're just starting out which can destroy your whole uh, whole world of magic and you won't ever become the great houdini or thurston <laughs> or blackstone or any of those guys yeah
3: what goes through your mind i mean you are you thinking all these years, what's like a, a new thing that I can do? What something I can pull out that nobody else has done? Is there that kind of uh, drive in you?
1: Well,
2: yeah, that's there, but not not so much with me because I'm a little bit different. I think magic should be uh, have uh, s- some enchantment to it, and I think magic and mystery uh, is is in the past and in in how things are made. It's like uh, seeing a. Um, uh, a gypsy fortune teller or something like that would you like to see someone who's uh, like new wave in the future like uh right. with uh you know what i mean i think i think the enchantment and the uh the um charm of of magic is the history of it and the mystique of it and the past and uh, i think that's a great big, a big, a, a, big uh, yeah. a big part of it you know i i would rather go see a magic show that delves into the past and the history of magic and you know it's very intriguing i think you know because we don't know what the future is going to bring but we know that the past brought us some great magic
3: thanks dixie we will hear more from dixie next week on this show in the meantime though you can see him at the boulevard shopping center google the boulevard for more details when you think about Vegas and dining, steak always comes to mind. Time now to chat with Matt Leos, the former SOM over at Delmonico's, and one of our experts on the Vegas good life. Are there any, like, off strip? I'm thinking of places like South Point, which are known for having pretty good food, and it's a place that wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily expect it, based on kind of the old style of the hotel.
1: Uh, South Point's great, To be honest with you, across the street, there's a uh, a casino called Silverton that has a steakhouse called Twin Creeks that has food that's way better than it should be. Wow. Uh, Really outrageous little steakhouse right there called Twin Creeks. I love that place. And another kind of off the beaten path steakhouse is at the Golden Nugget, Vic and Anthony's downtown. Tremendous. Wow. Tremendous. I've always had good experiences there. And it is, it is a franchise. I mean, it's part of Landry's group. Yeah, uh, Tillman Fertita is the, the man behind that. Um, but the quality of the food, the service, the wine list, everything at Vic and Anthony's is pretty outrageous. Sean Heilman's a sommelier there, and he's a dear old friend and very good at what he does. Well, thanks for joining us this
3: week. Next week, you'll meet Lois Travelina, wife of the late Impressionist Fred Travelina. Fred was also a talented singer-songwriter, and Lois will introduce you to his great Christmas music, which features the holidays in New York City. Finally, you'll hear part two of our conversation with Dixie Dooley, who came to Vegas to kick off his career as a magician, and then decided to stay here. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Have a great weekend. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps.
2: Vegas, here we go!